I'm Mac Loudermilk, and you listen to One Night Stand. Go Knights and charge on. Chart with straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. Flirt with the hood rats, then pop models. Uh-huh. Chart with yeah. straight shots and then pop bottles. Yeah. This is One Night Stand. What up, Night fans? It's Sunday, January 20th. UCF just landed a huge grad transfer. Also survived my 30th birthday week. And I'm here with... Money Moo, what's up, guys? A little bit of a hiatus we took there, just took a week off. But we're back. So the big news everyone's talking about, former Notre Dame... I thought you were going to say my birthday. (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, that was pretty epic, though. So anyway, the big news of the week, Brandon Wimbush, former Notre Dame starting quarterback, deciding to transfer to UCF. And it's pretty amazing... Sean, now that, you know, kids like this don't really come around a lot, you know, to group of five schools, wouldn't you say? We've rarely gotten big name transfers, and it's normally been because they've had kind of issues with their other team. I mean, the ones that stick out to me, we got Storm Johnson a few years ago, but I mean, this is big. And I had said this a few podcasts ago, we were, you know, once, once Milton got hurt, we were in the market for a grad transfer quarterback. Originally, we wanted to sign two recruits, but losing Milton with all that experience, we needed to replace that experience, and a grad transfer is the only way to do that immediately. And I'd kind of been hoping we were getting someone, but Wimbush's name kind of came out of the woodwork. I was hoping a little bit for Jalen Hurts or, you know, um, I guess the, the guy from Clemson, Kelly Bryant or whatever, even though he'd have to sit here, but you know, this kind of all unfolded quickly, and I mean, it's awesome. I think this speaks volumes about the progress that our program has made, you know, for him to want to come here. I mean, he was a big-name guy, and if you look at the school, other schools that were recruiting him, I mean, you know, we, we beat out a bunch of Power 5 schools. How do you feel about this, Moo? Yeah, I know uh, a lot of people before, you know, we're talking about all the different Uh, they were just throwing around some names, you know, like you said, Jalen Hurts, Kelly Bryant, even Justin Fields from, uh, from Georgia. Yeah. Never heard Wimbush's name. I didn't even, I didn't even know he was transferring to be honest. I mean, I kind of pay attention, but I don't pay that good of attention. And, um, yeah, I mean, I had just heard the rumors that we needed a grad transfer and it makes sense, you know, out of our four, you know, quarterbacks, they only have three starts, and they're all for Mac. Now, I like Mac. I think Mac can do good, and I hope Mac wins the starting job because that'll say something about how good he is if he beats out Wimbush. But at the same time, you've got to have more experience in case someone goes down, you know? I mean, that's kind of the reality of it, unfortunately. You have to, you know, plan for the worst and hope for the best. And, you know, that's another thing a lot of people have been saying, oh, well, this says a lot about, Milton's possible recovery from his injury and you know no one knows what's going to happen maybe he will be ready next season but as a coach you can't count on Milton be being ready toward the end of the season and then he's not and then you're sitting there like an idiot you know you kind of have to 
act like he's not going to be, and then it's a bonus if he is, because if not, you're kind of screwed. Right. I And I think at the very, very least, you could say it's a very good insurance policy, you know, exactly. for Mac. Wimbush, I, I've done a little bit of research, looked at some stats, watched some highlight tapes. You know, he he's definitely talented. You know, the talent's there. I don't think they really used him well at Notre Dame. I don't it, think it he has. Though, be, I don't think he had the same weapons around him either. You know, which yeah. obviously makes you better. And you know who has weapons? UCF. So yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a good fit. Is definitely a different style quarterback, I guess you would say, than Mac. I think he's a little bit smaller. Yeah, he's, the, he's like six one, but I mean. Same kind the of speed. Do- re- the speed, though, really yeah. stuck out. Uh, stood out to me, and I think you know, even if they use him as kind of like a uh, Marlon Williams type of like a wildcat, it's not a bad thing. Competition makes everyone better, and at the worst, this is only going to make Mac better. And then on the other side of the coin, if he beats Mac out, that just means that he's you know Wimbush is that good. And if Mac beats him out, that means Mac's that good because Wimbush, I mean, you go back to 2015, class of 2015, he was the number four overall quarterback in the nation, number two dual threat quarterback. He had offers from schools like Alabama, LSU, Ohio State, Michigan, I mean, all the big schools. He's a good quarterback, and if he beats Mac out, then that just says how good he is. So this is definitely not a bad place to be in and uh, yeah exactly i mean i mean obvi- whatever happens it's it's gonna be good exactly and I, yeah. obviously i'm biased i i want mac to win the job but if not you know I, I i trust our coaches that they're gonna do whatever's best for us but you know just going back to the whole fact that he transferred here is huge we've never had a big name transfer i mean this is just another indicator that ucf is on the map like this is yeah something- for us to for us to even be in the conversation, even right. in, in on somebody's radar of a player like this. I mean, it, it's just incredible. I'm proud. I'm I'm, I'm smiling right now. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's it, great. It's de- it's definitely awesome. And you know, heading into the spring game through the spring practices, it's definitely going to be fun to you know keep an eye on this quarterback battle and. I mean, who knows? Even, you know, Quadri Jones and um, Hayden Kingston, Hayden Kingston and, uh, you know, Dylan Gabriel. I mean, you know, it's the job's up for the grabs and, you know, may the best man win. And uh, like I said before, it's not a bad problem to have having all these talented guys competing for the. Yeah, exactly. I mean, so Mac was a freshman this year, right? Yep. A redshirt freshman. So even if Wimbush beats him out, Wimbush is on his last year, you know. That's it. So then 2020, Milton, you're looking at either Milton. Milton with possibly two years of eligibility left. No, no, Milton only has he, one. Milton only has one year left. Oh, I thought he read. If he medically red shirts, I, I'm. We'll have to check. I'm pretty sure the medical red shirt is just a red shirt you can use after your regular red shirt if you miss all the games oh. of the season due to. An oh injury. yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. All right. So anyway, we still have Mac. For two more years, probably gonna we should redshirt Gabriel. Then of this of year. course, we're gonna redshirt Gabriel. So but we're in no pretty damn good hands for the next like 
the long term UCF quarterback outlook is like three no, or four years. It's good. And, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I like Gabriel, blah, blah, blah. And I like him too. But you got to remember that, like, the hit rate on quarterbacks transitioning from high school to college is less than 50%. Pete DeNovo was like, he broke all kinds of state records and a really good dude. But I mean, he was, he didn't. His college career was one half of football. Yeah, it was terrible. And, you know, you can't count on these new recruits necessarily doing that well. So I have high hopes for Gabriel, but I mean, you know, we'll redshirt him and we'll deal with him three years down the road because we've got a ton of older talent, older experienced talent. For some of the newer fans, though, I want to go back. So this was the year. After the year Bortles. after the after the fiesta the first fiesta bowl um that's a cool Blake thing Bortles. to have to like describe like which, yeah, which fiesta bowl <laughs> blake bortles you know going what did he go through number three overall in the draft so yep. we had to replace we had to replace him as quarterback there's two different quarterbacks all through spring ball you know that was like 50 this was o'leary and he was like you know 50 50 could be holman could be de novo or uh, Justin Holman yeah. or Pete DeNovo. And that, I think it, it like came down to a game-time decision at the beginning, and they went with DeNovo. Ooh, and, um, <laughs> it was against Penn State. He went, he, a, went, he went with the younger guy. You figure if it's, if it's tied, you go to the younger guy, give them that extra experience because they don't have it under their belt. Right, but doing it in a foreign country hey. obviously didn't work out. So anyway. Yeah, luck of the Irish, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, so it was our game against Penn State in Ireland 2014. And the first half got awful. I think we maybe scored three points. We were down. I think we were down like fourteen. Or we seven. went for it on fourth and like a half a half a yard on the goal line and missed it. I remember to end yeah. the first half. So then, and he was like two of fifteen or something for like seven yards, and he was terrible. So anyway, second half they bring Holman in and he's like running and gunning, slinging it all over the field, running all slinging over. Slinging and the field. digging. And we come all the way back and almost I mean, he pretty much almost won us the game, but he definitely got us back in the game. Yeah, it was, and then that was it. it. Was he close. never saw I think he might have saw the field one other time in like garbage time. And then I think he changed into a wide receiver or something. Something like that. Yeah, no, I think he like transferred to Illinois or something like that. I'm not really sure. But uh, well, anyway, my point is of that whole long story is that it's good to have quarterback depth, and I'm glad we're sitting where we're sitting right now. Yep, definitely. All right, so let's go back to the Fiesta Bowl real quick. So I know we had a honestly had some great feedback on our Fiesta Bowl recap, but I know there's a few things that we kind of want to clarify. Moo, why don't you take it away? All right, so I finally broke down and did it. I rewatched the Fiesta Bowl. Wait, you didn't didn't rewatch it after our – oh, I guess – all right, no, hold on. So you watched it on TV originally. Right. And then we did the podcast. Okay, see, I didn't – I had to rewatch it because I was there in person, and you don't really see anything in person. So, okay. Yeah, so I rewatched it again. You know, I don't really want to dwell, but obviously, no dwelling, some, no dwelling. We made some mistakes. Oh, really? <laughs> well, I think me and you made some mistakes because we, we got blasted on Twitter for saying blasted to say the least. It. Yeah, you said it. That the defense played lights out. You said it. I thought you said it. I think we both said it. All right, whatever. Well, anyway. 
clearly we didn't play lights out. I, I they think played we played good for well. the circumstances. We, yeah, yeah, that's what we try. We wanted to clarify that. So anyway, personally, I'd like to give Randy Shannon a one-year pass to SeaWorld. <laughs> no, <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> I want to give him a one-year pass on the recruiting side. You know, we have some great talent coming in defensively. Uh, we're going to talk about that later, but some of the recruits we have coming in on the on the defensive line, which is our biggest need right by, now. By far. The biggest takeaway, though, and I want to get into everything that happened, but the biggest takeaway, I think, was the ultimate question coming into the game was, and everyone from P5 schools were talking about this, is can UCF hang with the big boys? And, you know, over the last five years, making it to three New Year's Six Bowls, winning two of them, I, I think it's clear to say that the answer is yes. We we definitely can hang with the big boys. And beat, I'm not saying and- we're going undefeated every year in the SEC and all this other bull crap that, that, you know, some people talk. But as far as us being on the same level, with some of these big name teams, uh, it's clear we can we can be there with them. Yeah, definitely. And you know, don't let this LSU loss make you forget that. I mean, we beat the big boys, and you know, you can say Auburn wasn't motivated because they barely missed the playoff. All you want, and I understand that angle. I don't agree with it, but I understand why people say that. But when we played Baylor, Baylor was the Big Twelve champ. In, uh, in the 2013 season, 2014 Fiesta Bowl, they were 12-1. and one. They were Oklahoma this year. And, and this, there wasn't a playoff this year. So the bowl games, I mean, they meant a little more that year. And we went in and beat them. And, you know, don't let this LSU loss forget that. I mean, we have not only hung with the big boys, but we beat them. So just wanted to kind of clarify that. But, yeah, <laughs> keep blasting us on Twitter. <laughs> It is kind of funny. I mean, I don't get offended, do you? No, nah, and you know, honestly, for all the crap talking a lot of people have done, we've deserved to to get it back. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of fans. God, some of the crap you read on Twitter is just so dumb. They're like, oh, we could go undefeated in the SEC. I'm like, first of all, it's hypothetical, so you'll never be able to prove if you're right or wrong. But, like, don't stay, say stuff like that because it's probably not true. Like, could yeah. we could we be in the top, you know, top three in our division in the SEC? Maybe. And then you got to factor in, you know, we don't get the same TV money if we had thirty more million dollars. Could I don't know. It's all hypothetical. But you're preaching to the choir here. You know, we need stuff to talk about from now until August. So <laughs> all That's the hypo- That's all, true. All the hypothetical. I'm like, stuff. hey, let's go, let's go. We got a whole show, and really, we have nothing. To talk Fill, about. Fills the gap. Um, so <laughs> on that note, the one major thing that happens with football from now, obviously, until the season starts, besides the spring game, which is kind of meaningless but just a excuse to go tailgate for no reason is uh you know the NFL draft so we've got handful of seniors graduated and then a couple of guys that left early for the draft Tristan Hill one of them Dredrick Snelson another one what are your thoughts on those two guys leaving early we'll start with Tristan all right, Tristan, this is really hard for me to do because you're one of my favorite players on defense, and I know you're pretty close to them, is that I hate to see him leave, man. 
Well, it's yeah, just, I, I do too. I mean, I think we all do. Yeah, I know, but just there's a part of me, and I know the talent is there. I know he's awesome, but there's just a small part of me that wanted to say, like, you know, just stay one more year. You know, he could have dominated next year, but that's not to say he won't, you know, dominate in the combine and everything and, and make a good career. Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, if I'm in his shoes, you know, it, it it's an extremely tough decision. But It is, and, you know, regardless of what went down between him and these new coaches, obviously they didn't have the best relationship, and I don't think he wanted to risk playing another season and still not getting that much playing time. I mean, this season here and his limited time added a lot to his highlight reel, but he got less playing time this season than he did, you know, the two years prior. And I think in his mind, staying another year wasn't going to add much. Um, I think he feel like he's he feels like he's already playing to the best of his ability. And on top of that, you know, you play another year and you're risking injury. And I think, you know, especially looking at what happened to Milton, obviously that's a freak injury, but that kind of stuff can happen. And if you feel like you've already gotten the most out of playing in college football, um, you know, I can understand how he see, he looks at, you know, playing another year and doesn't see him gaining that much benefit from it. Uh, you know, obviously we'll have to see what happens in the draft, but that's kind of the perspective that I see on it. Obviously, we'd all love for him to stay. We're going to miss him a lot. The same goes for Snelson, and I think, you know, Snelson saw he still started this year, but he saw a more limited role playing in the slot. The offense was different. His numbers went way down this year. Not to mean he didn't play as good, but just the offense was different. And I think he looked at next year and saw playing or staying wasn't going to add that much to his draft stock and decided he might as well get out early. I mean, because honestly, you don't know what's going to happen in the next year. You know, you got to do what's best for yourself and for your family. And, you know, a lot of people's priorities are different. And you can't fault anyone for wanting to leave in this day and age. And, you know, I'm just grateful for what both of those players have done in their time here at UCF and wish them the best. And I think they're both going to do really, really well in the NFL. Yeah, I think just for me to comment on Snelson a little bit, I was going to say, you know, this year his only 100-yard game was when Mack was quarterback in the championship game. But then I looked at his stats last year, and he only had one 100-yard game as well. Yeah, but he had a lot more touchdowns last year. Well, he had eight compared to five. The funny thing was is that last year his only 100-yard game was, again, against Memphis in the conference championship. So I guess that's the... That's uh, his gig there, just going <laughs> off in the AAC championship game. But, yeah, I, I feel like he did score way more touchdowns last year. But, again, I just looked it up. Well, eight last year, five this year. I mean, so. it's almost double. But, you know, Snelson's touchdowns, I remember, I mean, they always came at key times. He had a big one against USF. He had a big one against Memphis. And I think he had that one where Milton was scrambling in the Peach Bowl and threw it, like, across his body in the back of the end zone. So oh, yeah, that was like, him. Yeah, so his touchdowns last – or I say last season. I guess now it was two seasons ago in 2017 came at much bigger moments, and I think that's why I feel like he had such a bigger role in the offense is because he got the ball at those – like, I mean, I can picture some of his touchdowns and stuff. So, But, again, can't fault him for leaving. Looking at some of the other seniors, is there anyone else that 
you see having a chance to possibly make it in the NFL? Yeah, I honestly think, well, I wish luck to all the seniors who are planning on going on to the next level. But I really think Mac Laddermilk has a pretty good shot at making a team. Maybe not getting drafted because I don't really know. I don't feel like a lot of punters get drafted. You no gotta be. I mean, last year Seattle took that guy. Uh, I forget his name. Michael some Michael Dixon took him in the third round, and his numbers are like the best of all time. But you gotta be really, really good to get drafted. The hard thing about being a punter is that there's only 32 jobs, and like you really gotta mess up as a punter to lose your job. If you're a kicker, yeah. you have one bad game. And your team's, yeah, hold, your team's holding open tryouts. You know They're taking guys off the street to try and take your job. As a punter, it's tough to do that bad necessarily. So it, those spots are, are hard to come by. And you know the punters stay in those positions for you know, 10, 15 years. I mean, the guy for the Saints, Morstead, is like, he's like 40-something. I mean, yeah, I was going to say the punter for the Giants. I can't remember his name either, but I, I just feel like I remember – his name has been around forever. Yeah, the guy for the Saints, and I'm kind of old, and the guy for the Saints started in the NFL when I was like 10. <laughs> and he's I'm still. Kinda old. What, I'm, I'm 30 and he's still playing, so that just that says a lot. But yeah. anyway, uh, we wish the best of luck to those guys. Actually, we're, we're interviewing Mac later in the show, so stay tuned for that. We're going to talk to him about his career, uh, about it, donating his hair to locks of love and then the whole process of training for the combine pro day signing an agent and kind of the whole process getting to the nfl Uh, yeah the beard is gone beard is gone hair coming off so this this show's going out on sunday hair hair's going off on friday right before the interview but that's two days from when you're listening to this uh so that's confusing also (laughs) also uh i signed up for a half marathon the day this show's supposed to air. So, and I've never run more than three miles in my entire life. So I might actually not be alive as this show airs. So this You've never might... even done a 5K? Okay, so I've like never 3.2. run I've never run more than 3.3 miles in my life. So this might be like the the first post-humanist podcast ever. So just putting that out there. But we'll, we're interviewing him later. A couple other things to talk about though. Our final AP ranking. We moved to number 11 in the polls. LSU moved up to number six. As you know, we were seven before the bowl game. All right, so I got a really, really good story uh, to go along with this final AP ranking. So this guy that, that works with me, he's a huge Walmart Gator fan. Never went there, just loves Gators so much. Hey, And we, we made a bet right before the UConn game. So before the first week of the season – I said UCF will be ranked higher than 12 and a half. It was over under 12 and a half. I took higher, so it was higher or lower. Wait, you took I, higher? So you mean like 13 and up? No, uh, I meant lower. So better. You got to say <laughs> like, better yes. or worse. Yeah. I bet that they were going to finish between 1 and 12.5, and he said he would take 12.5 to 25. You'd take the over. Finish, if they didn't finish in the top 25, it was a push. Okay, because I thought I figured we were either you know gonna just go off or not be in the top twenty-five. Right. So after the Fiesta Bowl, he texted me. You know, he knew I had a substantial bet on the game as well. <laughs> Asked me if I needed a room to rent. 
and then proceeded to tell me that I needed to pay him immediately following the next day. Which, honestly, I would have agreed with. I thought we were dropping to, like, 15. Uh, I sort of thought that, but then I was like, well, you never know. There might be some... There's a lot of teams lost. Here's the thing. We forget. It's a quality loss. Exactly. So then I started thinking. I was like, wait, we we have one loss against a top 10 team. Top 6 team. Big deal. So anyway, the the final rankings came out, and I took my phone out and... Came with came to work the next day, shoved it in his face, and LFG. So I won, but now he said he still hasn't paid me, and he says he's gonna pay me in pennies. So that's what Walmart oh, fans do. What a sore loser! <laughs> and <laughs> that's that's pretty funny though. Also, looking at the AP poll, Cincinnati finished number twenty four for so for anyone that says we didn't play any top twenty five teams, uh, Cincinnati was number twenty four, and also. A record six G5 teams finished in the top 25. So I feel like the G5 is definitely starting to get more respect, and I th- I feel like UCF's kind of been the catalyst for that. Because, you know, like you said before, we've proven that we can hang with the big boys. Yeah, so, oh, since he lost two games. Wait, who, oh, yeah. they lost the Temple. Wow. Bah. Yeah, I'm looking. There are a lot of group of five teams in here. You got Fresno State, Army. Army is dangerous, man. Northwest, or no, not Boise Northwest. State, Utah State. Utah State. Fresno State, uh, Kirk Herb Street. <laughs> I mean, those are some good. Army was, Army looked pretty damn good against Houston in that bowl game, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just a little bit. Would they drop like 70 on them? Yeah, that was pretty embarrassing. Bah. But Houston, actually, I don't want <laughs> Houston had half their defense out, but I immediately regretted oh. saying that. <laughs> Wait, but the funny no excuses. They also had their starting quarterback out, but they had like I don't know, I guess the worst of both. No players. excuses. Yeah, whatever. All right, uh one more thing before we get to the interview. Nate Evans got some very interesting fan mail. I'm sure you guys have seen this on Twitter or Instagram. Someone anonymously sent him a letter uh it was postmarked from birmingham alabama and it was just a piece of paper with a screenshot of him standing over joe burrow after burrow got laid out by joey connors on bam moore's pick six so it's half the page is a picture of that of him leaning over him when he was talking crap and got flagged for an unsportsmanlike and then the rest of the page reads who's talking trash now Burrow got off the deck and torched your sorry defense, colon, four TDs, 400 yards, and 45 minutes of possession, LMAO. How do you feel about this, Moo? Cool story. <laughs> I mean, we kind of deserved it, I guess. I don't know. Uh, dude, Depends honestly, to... man, a, a, I think that's epic. A-plus trash talk. Um, I, I might have to pull this out. It is out. pretty funny. It Dude, is pretty funny. I got to pull this out on someone next year, except I'm going to put my return address on it. Well, maybe I'll put your address in my name so I get credit, but you get killed. I don't know. Thanks. <laughs> Did you see who he addressed it to? He, he, he addressed it to UCF's address and then it said UCF or, uh, Nate Evans parentheses football player. Well, you don't want to get him to confuse with, uh, you know, Nate Evans, the, uh, in the, the accounting department or something. <laughs> or the, the volleyball team manager. 
Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. I... We were just talking about that play earlier, and we were very lucky. I know they threw a flag on it. Could have went either way. Well, they threw a flag on it for the hit that Joey Connors put on Burrow. Ended up picking it up, but I think they should have thrown a flag on Nate Evans for uh, taunting. Wait, I thought we got – no, I'm pretty sure we got a flag on us for taunting. Oh, we did? Yeah, yeah, but they reviewed it later for targeting. The refs didn't even see the targeting. I was there at the game. I didn't see it. I was watching you know, Bam Moore on the Jumbotron taking it to the house. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, we got well, apparently a Apparently watching on it twice wasn't enough to see that for yeah, me. Yeah, <laughs> well, there was so much going on, honestly, at the time. Anyway, all right, let's do our interview. We've got Mac Loudermilk. He just chopped off his hair. He had already shaved off his beard. He's donating it to Locks of Love. He's going to tell us all about that. He's going to tell us about his career at UCF. We're going to talk about how he kind of, his character evolved um, you know, with this kind of his brand and personality, his celebrations, and then talk a little bit about the whole process of signing an agent and getting ready for the NFL. So let's do that. All right, I'm here with UCF punter and fan favorite Mac Loudermilk, also the 2018 Mortel Holder of the Year. What's going on, man? I'm just training right now, getting ready for the for pro day mm-hmm. and maybe the combine. Who knows? Awesome. Well, I heard you just cut off all your hair. How do you feel? Right now, it feels a little weird. I feel a little light. I can feel the <laughs> wind on my neck finally. And uh, yeah, my ears are pretty cold too, though. <laughs> how uh, how short did you go with it on top? Uh, it's, it's pretty short. It's, it's, it can, it's, there's not much there, honestly. So. Right. Because they wanted to, I guess, keep it for or keep it as long as possible for the locks of love. Mm-hmm. Um, right. can, you, so, can you tell me about that? Yeah, so uh, Locks of Love is a minimum of 10 inches donation. So I had three separate ponytails cut from my head. But uh, the whole reason why I'm doing it is because I had two relatives go through the whole cancer treatment process. And uh, through that process, you know, I, I saw them lose their hair. They kind of lost their personality, their self-esteem a little bit. They became really a shell of who, the, who I remember them being as a younger kid. And so I figured that if I can grow my hair out, then I'll gladly donate it to someone who can uh, who can use that self esteem boost? Who can use that mood booster? Who's going through those treatments? Definitely. So, was that your intention when you first started growing out your hair, or did you kind of just realize that you had a chance to, uh, you know, make a difference once your hair started getting longer? Yeah, that was the original goal from the very beginning. I told uh, I wanted to do it back when O'Leary was here, but he had he had the rule about no facial hair and no, and your hair can't touch the collar. Oh, okay. So I had, I had to cut it off for that once I got here. But then uh, once Frost came in, I told him what I wanted to do. He okayed it. He didn't have a problem with it. And so from then on, I started growing it out. And the rest is history, I guess. I mean, you, you definitely um, kind of like built your brand or your character that way. I mean, obviously, you're the most kind of the most recognizable person on the on the field always. But on top of, you know, just the hair and everything else, obviously you started to really get known. You kind of went viral, actually, on uh, some of your celebrations. Can you tell me a little bit about how that kind of started to happen? Yeah, so the whole celebrations, I didn't think would really catch on because no one really pans to the punter after he kicks the ball. No, they never do, almost. (laughs) Yeah, but then uh, I think what really got it going off was against UConn last year and hit that 69-yard punt. And the camera ca- kind of caught me going uh, a little crazy back there, puffing my arms and everything. Yeah. <laughs> and from then on, there was always a camera on me. And they just kind of caught my celebrations from then on out. Yeah, they knew. I I mean, honestly, a 69-yard punt, that's definitely something to celebrate about. 
Now, when, when they count 69 yards, that's from the line of scrimmage, right? Right. Yep. Okay, so that means you that ball actually got booted, what, like 85 uh, yards? Or? Yeah, 69 plus 15. Dang, that's, yeah, 74, something like that. That's not at some point. Yeah, that's definitely something to um to, to celebrate about. Oh yeah. All right. So you were saying you're uh, you've been training and stuff right now. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about that. What you're getting ready to do here? Yeah. So really, I'm I'm working out twice a day right now. I'm doing uh from 7:30 to right around 8:45 ish to nine. We're doing strength training in the morning. I go to the local high school here in Cedartown, Georgia. The guy named Mikey Worthington, he did uh, Nick Chubb's draft prep and everything like that. And then uh, from af- after that, take like about an hour break or what second block for them. I don't do anything for that block besides stretch, roll out. And then once thir- the third block rolls around, so right around, I'd say 10.30, maybe 10.30, We do uh, like agility work for like pro agility, three cone drill, 40, 40 drill, all that kind of stuff. What do you need to do all that for if you're a punter? Or is it just better to be in, uh, I guess, better shape in general or what? I mean, I do it for shape, but also it's for lower body explosiveness because that's all my position is, is just exploding with one leg into right. the ball. And so anytime I can just do different things and kind of build that up. And then afternoons, right around 3, 3 o'clock, 3.30 is when I normally hit the ball. Gotcha. All right, so that makes that's, that makes sense a little bit more. So I was looking at your rivals page from back when you were in high school, and uh, I knew you played quarterback um, coming out of high school. Did you want to play quarterback in college? Or tell me a little bit like your recruiting process and how you ended up at UCF. Yeah, so the dream as a kid was always to grow up and be a quarterback in the NFL. I think that's everyone's dream kind of. Yeah. (laughs) But then I got to high school. I played quarterback my freshman, sophomore, junior year about, I'd say midway through my sophomore year, I was one of the bigger kids on the team, and so they kind of started using me as an H-back kind of guy, kind of like what Coobs did these past year. And so uh, from then, I just kind of, you know, swapped time playing both H-back and quarterback. And then senior year, it got to about, I'd say, game five or game six, and I finally just kind of made the move full-time to tight end slash H-back and punter. Right, but you were punting this whole time though, right? Right, yeah, I was on accident though. <laughs> so how how did that end up happening? Um, I was originally a long snapper, and I was just kind of screwing around at practice one day, and my coach saw me hitting the ball, and he said, forget that, you're going to start punting for us. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, <laughs> did you play soccer or anything else like that? Or? Nope, never played soccer in my life. That's, uh, that's crazy, because <laughs> punting's definitely not that easy uh, no. for anyone that's tried it before. So that's definitely interesting. So how did you end up at uh, UCF? Who recruited you, and, and how'd that work? Because you're from, you're from, you know, by Atlanta, right? Um, well, I'm in Atlanta right now, but I went to high school in Valdosta, Georgia, which is okay. about, I'd say, three hours north of Orlando, maybe. Okay. And so uh, Tyson Summers was the one who recruited me when O'Leary was there. And, uh, you know, the, what made me come to UCF really was the campus is awesome, but uh, first and foremost, and then the academics is good. And they just came off the Fiesta Bowl year, so I was really hype about that. I knew we were bringing a lot of guys back, and I had a chance to compete for the job, and so that's that's really what kind of nailed it down. It was all it was close to home too, so my parents could always come to the games, or I could drive home anytime I wanted to. And so that was really the main things that kind of made me go to UCF. How long did it take for you to start getting playing time uh, once you first got here? Yeah, I redshirted my first year, and then uh, really my first start ever was against Houston that 0 12 year, oh, and I went <laughs> seven punts for a 50 yard net, and so I, I did pretty good against them. That's not bad. <laughs> no, not at all. 
What do you think your uh, best game was overall? I mean, I know you had a 69-yard punt last – or I guess it's two years ago now against Houston. Right. Did you have any other games that you would say were maybe your best? I mean, I said my best two games were either my very first start against Houston or the last game against LSU because the very first game against Houston, I had seven punts for a 50-yard net. And against LSU, it was six punts for a four and nine and a half yard net. Yeah, a little bit bigger stage though. So I'm gonna have yeah, to. I, I don't, <laughs> at least for me, I'd say the LSU game was a little bit better. But rewatching that man, you punted the hell out of it. Even the one that went, the snap I think was like kind of over your head, and you still got it down and got it like a 42 yarder or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, so you know you're training, getting ready for I guess pro day. D- do the punters go to the combine? Yeah, they do. So the thing about that is they have all the specialists go. And like they start the coverage, they start the coverage on like Tuesday, but all the specials go on Monday. There's no cameras there or anything. It's pretty. It's a pretty smooth ride without anybody there watching like that. It must be pretty difficult to uh, to end up on an NFL team, though. I mean, what? There's 32 punter spots, right? Yeah, um, there's only 32 jobs in the world. Yeah, that, that's crazy. But it's definitely awesome that you're getting the opportunity to do that. Um, did you ever imagine yourself being in this position? You know, when when you're in high school. No, honestly, I, I never thought I'd be at this spot, honestly. Um, you know, I, I've been blessed beyond measures for my ath- athletic career. <laughs> and it's, it's just it's a dream come true to even be able at this point right now in my life. So I, I can't say anything bad about it. I saw a picture where you were signing your contract with your agent. Mm-hmm. What's the process like of picking an agent? You know, for most of the people listening, I have no idea how any of that works. Can you explain that to us a little bit? Right. So um, I had guys trying to reach out to me at the beginning of this past season. So right around August, September. And then from then on, you just kind of write their name down on a piece of paper. And then as, as the year goes along, you kind of do some research on them, figure out you know, who, who they represent, what, what kind of clientele they have, who, who's their connections with. And at the end of the day, I mean, the guy who I signed with, he has, I, I want to say he's negotiated seven contracts in the NFL. He represents the highest paid long snapper for the LA Rams. He has three or four different punters in the NFL. He represents Matt Bosser, who plays for the Falcons. And so just based off of all those connections and the guys who he knows, I felt more comfortable with him. So that's cool, man. That's awesome. I mean, who would have thought, you know, you know you're know, you sitting there in an 0-12 season and now you're talking about potentially playing in the NFL. That's uh, that's definitely really cool. If you look back at your whole career, what do you think your, like one of your favorite memories would be? Uh, that's going to have to be the Peach Bowl last year. I was like, just, just because no one thought that we would go undefeated for one. Right. And no one even gave us a chance to be Auburn since Frost was leaving. And I just think anytime we can just have the opportunity to shut people up, <laughs> that's, that's, that's always fun to do, man. Yeah. So that's, that's a really good memory for me. You know, we came into that game and like you said, no one expected for us to win, which was kind of, even the fans for the most part, we're all just like, all right, we're going to go there. This is an awesome trip. If we win, we win. I don't think anyone had their expectations that high, especially with Frost leaving and everything like that. And it was just a really awesome way for him to go out and kind of, you know, leave us with something that we're all, you know, never going to forget me as a fan. And I'm sure you guys definitely as a player. Uh, So that's, that's definitely really cool. Being in Orlando, what was one of your favorite things about UCF that, you know, athletics and stuff aside? Um, there's always something to do in Orlando. I mean, if you're bored in Orlando, then it's your own fault because you're not <laughs> looking at something. There's, you can go play golf. You can go to the Iowa or not Iowa, but, um, what's, what Islands is of, it? Islands of Adventure. Islands of Adventure. You can go to, uh, you know, Universal, Disney World, Animal Kingdom. You can go, ah, uh, what's the I-4? You can go to the, that. You can go, you know, there's just so much to do. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're bored, then you, you did something wrong at that point. 
Yeah, it's definitely a cool place. I mean, I like to say, man, we get these recruits in here, and this, not just the campus, but the area definitely sells itself. If, with uh, If we ever get the funding that these Power 5 schools get, there's no doubt in my mind that we will be a, a mega school at, in Florida. I mean, U.S. going to go to the side. FSU is going to go to the side. Everybody's going to start coming to Orlando. Dude, I agree 100%. And it's just, you know, it's just a matter of time, whether it's 10 years or five years or, you know, however long, it's definitely going to happen. How do you feel about the whole dispute, I guess, that went on between UF and, and UCF with the whole two-for-one, home-and-home type spat that uh, our ADs kind of got into? I mean, they, they can say that they don't ever offer a home-and-home home series or anything like that for a group of five school. But aren't they, they're playing like two FCS schools this year. And I think they, they, they signed, I want to say it was Troy or some other school for a home. I forget who it was, but they've done it before. I mean, I just think it's, it's they're being pompous about the whole thing. But I mean, it is what it is. My thing is that, and if you look at all the SEC teams, all play two FCS schools and no other yeah. Power Five conference does that. And it's almost like the, the SEC commissioner puts out like a thing and tells all his schools to do that. But while it's unfair, there's no real rules or regulation against it. So no, I not, think I think it's kind of cheap, but at the same time, if that's me, smart. If I mean, it guarantees like, them two easy wins a season. You know, you look at these other conferences like the Big Ten, the Pac-12, they all play extra conference games compared to the SEC, and they end up beating each other up and knocking each other yeah. out of the playoff. So I guess yep. you can't necessarily knock them uh, for doing that. How do you feel about the playoff committee, I guess, met and talked about possible expansion and they they shut it down obviously but how do you feel about the chance of it expanding you know here in maybe the next five years do you think UCF had a big influence on on the possibility of that yeah I think we had a big influence I think Georgia this past year had a big influence Ohio State as well here's the thing you're gonna start losing interest from the fans really yeah. really quick if you have the same four teams or same four or five teams in there every single year it's going to discourage people from going to the games and watching the sport. And that's bad because the biggest thing about college football is just the atmosphere that it has around it. Yeah. And so I think at any any point in time when you just kind of like shut off half of the fan bases, even having a, a chance of getting to the national championship game, then that's doing more harm than good for the sport. And I think sooner or later it's going to have to expand because if not, then fo- college football itself is going to lose – the the beauty about the pageantry about football right and how many times can you watch you know bama clemson i mean come on yeah on the other side of that people say it kind of takes away from the prestige of the bowl games how do you feel about that i mean in a way but i mean you kind of know now if you go six and six you don't expect to be in a great bowl game right you're gonna be in the birmingham bowl or some shit exactly i mean i think there might be a, a few too many bowl games themselves honestly right now Ones that are losing money rather than making money, I think they could probably cut those out. But I mean, right. that's just that's just me. I mean, I don't, I don't think it lessens the value of bowl games because as of right now, the only bowl games that are really valuable are the semifinal playoffs and the playoff and the the championship game. Those are the, those are the valuable bowl games. So we went to a New Year's Six game, but I mean, since the BCS era, that doesn't mean anything anymore. It, it doesn't mean as much. I definitely agree. Now, here's yeah. something I've been thinking about: What if? Um, and I don't know the numbers or, or anything, but like, say, what if the winning team, all the players in the bowl game, and I feel like this would solve a lot of different issues with you know college football. Say every player on the winning team got like a five thousand dollars scholarship, and then every every player on the losing team got like a like a one thousand dollar consolation scholarship, and then yeah. that would give you know more. T- it would obviously give the players a lot more motivation, and it would kind of solve. It wouldn't solve the whole 
argument over paying the players or not, but it would definitely give a little bonus and say, hey, at least here's some money back, you know, because college football is a billion-dollar beast. You know, for you guys not to get a cut, I understand it's complicated to work it out. It's not fair to play football players and, you know, not the girls' basketball, but how would you feel if, if there was some kind of, like, bowl game incentive? I mean, in theory, it'd be great, but like you said, it's going to be hard to do it because then you have people saying, well, why why is this team getting paid instead of this team, even though they're both in bowl games? Yeah. Are you going to pay every player the same if they win, no matter what the bowl game is? So whoever wins the national championship game, are they going to get paid twice for their two, their, for the semifinal game and the championship game? Do they get paid for that? And then it's going to just trickle on down. People will complain how, oh, well, my kid didn't get paid because they didn't make it to a bowl game. And where you want to say, well, you should have made a bowl game, but that's yeah. not a good enough answer nowadays society. And, so. then, and then they could be like, oh, well, it's not my fault. My kid was good, but they just were on a good team. Yeah, I guess you just open up yeah. a whole new can of worms. But I, yeah. I don't think it'll ever be perfect, but I agree with you. If you don't expand the playoff, it's just going to – it's it's losing interest every year. I mean, honestly, I watched the playoff games, but I wasn't that interested, and I really didn't care who won because it's kind yeah. of the same old story. It was exactly. nice to see Clemson whip on Bama, though, man. I'm not going to lie. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, especially the yeah. quarterback too. Yeah, no, that, that was, was awesome. that, that was, kid's. Yeah, he definitely is. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch. You know, kind of him versus Tua. I think are going to be the front runners mm-hmm. this next year for the Heisman Trophy. Mm-hmm, um, sure. Oh, one other thing. How do you feel about you know getting this grad transfer? Because you know we talked about this on our show, which we recorded earlier with you know about Wimbush. Mm-hmm. You know, having only Mac is the only quarterback, at least for the beginning of the season, with any experience under his belt. We kind of shifted from trying to recruit two different guys to getting Gabriel and recruiting a grad transfer. How do you mm-hmm. feel about this kind of new competition, and what are your thoughts about it? I think it's great because competition brings the best out of anybody. If you're an athlete that's worth it, there's your salt, then you'll welcome any competition whatsoever because that's only going to make you better as we go down the road. So I think it's for that room. That room's already great with DJ, KZ, Dylan, Gabriel. But that addition to that room, that's going to make that room five times better than what it is now. Yeah, I mean he's got a ton more experience than everyone else in there besides KZ. So yeah. I think that's definitely cool. Watched a little tape on him. He kind of seems a little similar to Mac with his uh, dual threat ability. Mm-hmm. Maybe can't throw as well, but you're right. It'll be it'll be a fun competition to watch heading in uh, heading into the spring game and everything. Sure. And, I guess we'll see what happens next year. Mm-hmm. All right, dude. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, thanks again for joining us, man. Best of luck on your adventure here into the NFL draft with your training and everything. And uh, we hope to see you on Sunday soon. So thanks a lot, man. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. Go Knights. Charge on. All right. That was a really awesome interview with Mac Loudermilk. Now, yeah, I got to get on these interviews. What the heck, man? You're showing me up here. You said you didn't want to do them after, like, the second one, when you didn't say anything during the second interview. Oh, I didn't? No. I got to get some questions ready. All right, send send them in, Monday mailbag. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's talk about basketball since our last— Boy. <laughs> I know I say that, but we've, we're freaking 13-3. and three. We're good, but— if you watch us, it just doesn't feel like we're as good as I guess we necessarily should be. Since our last episode, we beat UConn. It was our first win ever on the road at UConn, 65-53. Then we beat ECU at home by 11. And then just recently, we lost to Wichita State by 8 on the road. Kind of a disappointing loss. 
Moo, how are you feeling about our basketball team right now? Instant reaction. I think we're really good. We just we're not firing on all on all cylinders, and by whatever that means, I, I don't know. But it's like BJ Taylor, he'll have a good game, and then Aubrey Dawkins will have a good game. But like they can't, you know, all they no one is syncing together. I think the defense is playing really well. Overall, to me personally, and this is going to sound horrible, I think it's kind of like boring basketball. Like it's very defensive basketball. It's not flashy. You well, know, it's and, it's tough to be flashy when you got a seven six center that doesn't. Really, <laughs> I guess you're right. Yeah. Uh, how do I say this nicely? I love Taco. Um, he doesn't move like it's uh, hard. Yeah. He's not very. <laughs> he's not very. He's not very huge. gracious. And, uh, you know, he turns the ball over. And, you know, a lot of teams are playing the small ball kind of fast transition. And Taco's great because you can't get a shot off within, like, 10 feet of the rim when he's in the game. But it's also kind of hard to put your offense around him because he just is there in the middle. And then you got four guys outside shooting. And then, you know, he, he's big, so he gets fouls. I, I don't know. I, I You know, I don't know that much about basketball. But you're right. It's not that fun to watch and I feel like we're underperforming for the amount of talent that we have on our team. Yes, that's very well said. I will I will say this though. The Taco, you know, I've watched him every year he's been at UCF. He's definitely gotten better. You know, freshman sophomore Taco, they'd get him the ball on the inside and he'd automatically just want to put it on the floor. Like you don't have to dribble. Like he needs to just catch it right by the rim and you don't even have to dunk. He literally could just like throw it into the hoop. And I've seen him do that, you know, three or four times a game this year. It's like, why can't you do that like 10 times a game? Well, he dribbles. And the thing is, is like he's dribbling from his waist, which is like freaking like six and a half feet in the air. <laughs> That's true. It's, it's very, very easy to steal the ball when you're dribbling from that high. And on top of that, he's not that coordinated and he wears a size 24 shoe. So it hits off his shoe or he travels or he's in the paint for too long because it takes so long for the ball to get to the ground and up to back to his Yeah, height. I guess I never that's a good observation though. I never really thought of it that way. Oh, like yeah. say if me and you if me and you went to go play a pickup game of basketball and I was dribbling, you know, at head level. It would be so easy to pick the ball off. Right. But for him, that's just natural. Well, he has to. I mean so no, yeah, I don't have any other way. But, but then the other thing is like you're right. If he just catches the ball, he can literally put it in the basket without jumping. I mean, he actually grew to he's seven seven now. He's not seven six. So I don't know. It's it's hard for us not to have him in the game. He's also leading the country in blocks, I believe, again for the second year in a row. So it's tough to not have him in. But it's also hard to kind of sculpt the offense around someone like that. But overall, but man, it, we just made it sound like we were like 0-12 again or something. No, we're good. We're good. <laughs> ah, it just sucks. We we let games slip away or we let teams back in it. I go back to the FAU game. We were up a decent amount with like two or three minutes left, lost by one. Same exact thing happened to Mizzou. Yep. We were up, winning the game, no problem. And we lose by two. Now, Wichita, I went. I didn't watch the game, but I went and looked at the stats, and it was a one-point game with three minutes left. How did we lose by eight? We just crumble at the end. It seems to be a theme all season. But one thing I will say is that Wichita had a very good home court advantage. Their fans are really into it. You went, When they started to go on runs, they would get really, really loud and really cheer them on. And unfortunately, that's something that obviously – 
we can't help on the road, but I feel like we're kind of missing that this year. And I'd really, really like to see our, you know, especially our students and people that live in Orlando start to come out and support this basketball team because this is the best squad we've had until 2010. And I think we might even be better than that year. And we've got a real chance at making the tournament, which we've only done once in all of our history as a D1 basketball program. And, you know, a couple more losses, and we might not have that opportunity. So we really need to get the fans out there. I know the supports, it exists. The fans exist because they showed up for the football games. We just needed to come out and support these boys because, you know, a lot of a lot of our starters are seniors, and it it's going to be, you know, kind of a rebuilding process next year. So this yeah, is Yeah, it's make or break done. time right now, guys. If you – if you could make it to the game, you know, get there. I remember that year, 2010, where we had AJ Ramsa, Marcus Jordan, Keith Clanton. I was going again. I went to a game. I remember against Marshall. It was like our first or second conference game of the year. We were 11 and 0 or 12 and 0. I got there like 10 minutes, 10 minutes before the game started. I was in the upper level, third row from the top. Like, I've never seen the upper level with more than, like, 100 people. And that's how much support this team had when, you know, back then. I I don't understand. I was watching the game, the East Carolina game. Empty seats everywhere galore. Yeah, I don't understand. Yeah. The only thing I can think of was there was, you know, there was NFL on. Because it was Sunday at 4 o'clock. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, one thing in our fans, our local fans and students' defense, though, we had better attendance in 2018 for football than we did 2017, and that was a direct result of our success the year before. That kind of got us hyped up for this season. We didn't have that success last year, and it kind of it's kind of like a snowball effect. What are you talking about? Yeah, we did. Last year? Last year, we went to the Final Four, the NIT, did we not? That was two years ago. Was it? Yeah. It was the 2017 NIT, which was in, like, March. Oh. Yeah. No, last wow. year, Taco Taco got – no, it's fine. Taco got <laughs> hurt for the year. BJ Taylor was out. I believe oh, Aubrey yeah. Dawkins also got hurt. So, last year was just a yeah, complete we waste. Bad. Now, all of them are in their last season. But, you know, it, the the excitement for football this year was built by how well we did last year, the success that we had last year. Last year was a dud for basketball, so we've really kind of got to step it up. But I, I understand, I guess, kind of why it's not there. But at the same time, we need to support them. And on that note, the women's team is actually doing better. They are 15-2, and two, first place in the conference, 4-0 in the American. And That's they good. really need the support, too. Look, guys, come out to the games. If you live on campus, if you live near campus, if you're a student, it's I think it's free. Just go, and they serve beer, so go. It's fun, and they would really appreciate it, and honestly, we have the potential. Both teams have the potential to have a really, really special season, and you know the, the home support really, really makes a difference in these games, and go out there because you know you never know when it's going to all kind of, I guess, fade away with uh, having these good teams, so go out there and support them. You know, It means a lot. Actually, this game will happen before anyone hears this, so I don't even know why we're talking about it. I'm just talking. No, I'm talking. <laughs> All right, it's not our last oh, home game. Shirts. It's not our shirts. It's not our last home game. I just mean games in general. Go out and support them. Breaking news: They're giving away shirts. When? 
at the game Saturday noon. So like yesterday. Yeah. Oh, oh, they got cool designs. Okay. Anyways. I want one. It's a double header though. Is the wi- the women's and the men's are playing on Saturday, correct? I honestly haven't looked, and that that's a day in the past, so it doesn't really matter. Right. So. All right. The game Saturday, Tulsa. Anyway, uh, so talking about like we were earlier, some of our recruits, you know, Wimbush four star recruit. We obviously had one of the best recruiting classes ever, in which a lot of people were excited about that on Twitter, and then I reminded them that we had our best seasons ever as a program with some of our not that good recruiting classes. So my point was that the stars don't necessarily matter. And that being said, we are going to do our Fab Five this week on our under three-star recruits for football that have come to UCF. Our Fab Five, so our best five two-star and lower recruits at UCF. Two-star these are like the people that nobody gave a chance to, except like, us. Nobody. It was yeah, like they normally a two star has like, if they're lucky, one or two, two offers offers from D one schools, and then it's like a bunch of you know D three schools. And I think some of these names on the list will surprise you. We're not doing them in any order this week because that really isn't fair to any of the guys. Um, All right, back to no order for Fab Five. Well, sometimes it's important too. Sometimes it's not. Mu, I'll let right. you. Uh, They're all the same in my book. It's tough to compare players at different positions from different years. So that being said, Mu, why don't you start us off? All right, for our first less than three star recruit on the Fab Five, it's got to go with my boy Brashad Perryman, wide receiver out of UCF, graduated in 2011, or no, freshman in 2000, <laughs> recruiting class. Of 2011. Yeah, he graduated. His last season was 14. He literally won the conference championship with the Hail Mary at ECU in the final game of the season. And you could also say the year before that his touchdown catch in the or his touch diving touchdown catch from Bortles against USF was the go ahead touchdown to win that game. So, Brashad Perryman ranked number 222 in the in wide receivers in the nation. UCF was the only, I repeat, the only Division One school to give him an offer. Ended up being a complete stud. He ran like a four. Did he run a four three? No, he, he ran a he ran a four two nine at the combine. He was our highest ever drafted player besides Blake Bortles. Non quarterback. Yes, he was our well, second. Pepper. He was Cole our Pepper went eleventh. Okay, so he was our third player drafted in the first round. Had a huge successful career in the Ravens, but they decided to get rid of him. Yeah, not uh, kind of a bust. Dealt it's with a, it's de- a comeback tour here in Cleveland. He, he though, dealt with us. a bunch of knee issues, but got uh, cut by the Ravens and got picked up by Cleveland last year and had a lot of success. Honestly, he had you know two touchdowns in ten games, averaged twenty one yards per reception, and he was kind of just a big play threat for Baker Mayfield. I feel like they had a little bit of chemistry and. He's kind of had like a second wind here in the NFL because watching him play for the Ravens, it seemed like he was kind of almost donezo. I mean, he just really couldn't get it going there, although I don't remember the last receiver that's had any success for the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, that's true. Well, Kamar Aiken was pretty good, though, for him. Yeah, he was. I guess he was all right. <laughs> but anyway, Brashad Perryman, a two-star recruit with one offer, Ends up being a first-round pick in the NFL. Hey, at least he got paid. 
Yeah, no, uh, definitely. Had not. an amazing UCF career, so give it up, Rashad Perryman. Uh, our number two in our unranked Fab Five under three-star recruits to come to UCF. So these are kind of like diamonds in the rough recruiting-wise. I've got Clayton, uh, is it Gathers? G- Gathers? I think Gathers? it's Gathers. Gathers? Clay- Clayton Gathers for it's the... It's definitely not Gathers. Clayton Gathers. <laughs> he's, he's Irish. Clay- Clayton Ga- Gathers for... <laughs> All right, Clayton G for the Indianapolis Colts. He was an all-conference safety for UCF, and he got drafted in the fourth round by the Colts. Has played there ever since. You might have seen him in the playoffs recently. Um, he's, you know, been a, a starter for pretty much since he got drafted these last four years, and has had a pretty good career for the Colts. And he was just a two-star recruit. His only offer was from UCF, and you know he took it, came here. Got drafted by the Colts and has been a starter ever since. So definitely a good story. He was all conference when he played here at UCF also. So he he definitely did well and overperformed his star value. Yeah, to say the least, guy was a beast in the backfield, in defensive backfield for us. Definitely remember him playing. And I I really love watching him play. Next on our Fab Five list, two-star recruits. Josh Sitton, offensive tackle. Recruited in 2004. Now, he did have two other offers from other than UCF. Big time. Powerhouse, Nichols State, Ooh. and UAB. He actually visited Nichols State. <laughs> to rivals. All right, hold on. Pretty glad. $50 if you can name. What state is that in? Nichols? Uh, I don't know, Louisiana? I was going to say Kansas. I have no idea. I'll look okay. that up. We'll look that up. <laughs> look that up, I guess. While you're going. So, I'm sure he's glad he didn't go to UAB or Nickel State. Came to UCF. Josh Sitton, the big guys, you know. Louisiana. It is. Whoa! Hey. I told you. Hey. Oh shit! What's you bet? Twenty-five or fifty? Uh, I th- I said fifty, but I don't think you locked the bet in. What? What are we? <laughs> How are we gonna lock what in? I don't know, man. Give me fifty bucks. Well, you didn't say you'd pay me fifty if you lost, so I wasn't too sure. Ah, oh, crap! Well, I know I, I owe you fifty bucks. I right, keep going. <laughs> so Josh Sitton, the fourth round pick to the Green Bay Packers. He actually had a pretty decent career in the Packers. Seven years, a four-time Pro Bowler, Super Bowl champion, first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. He's also first-team All-Conference. USA in 2007. You can tell I did way more research on Josh Sitton than I did Clayton Gathers. <laughs> uh, yeah, also, fun fact, Josh Sitton's jersey is hanging up in pub. I was just going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guarantee you Wait, a bunch that, of people that listen to this. Yeah, they'll be like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> oh, Sitton, yeah. Sitton. Okay. Oh, the guy... <laughs> When you're his jerseys and pub. When you're staring at the bathrooms to the left and it says sitting. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's funny. I was actually gonna say that. Uh, no, he had a he's had a great career. Uh, what team is he on now that he left the Packers? He's on the Dolphins. Yeah, I think he got hurt, but now he's back. Something like that. Anyway, but I mean, he got drafted in 2008. Like that's a pretty damn long career, for especially for a lineman. Yeah, he's going on 11 years. All right, so, so awesome career for sitting. Next, we've got. 
on our Fab Five, our second to last one is AJ Boye. So he was an undrafted free agent at a UCF, kind of hopped around a little bit, picked up by the Texans right after the draft, signed him to a kind of a minimum deal, had, you know, three, four good seasons. And then in 2016, he absolutely went off. He was all pro and it was perfect timing. He was heading into his free agent year, and boy, did he cash in. He signed a four-year, or sorry, a five-year, $67 million contract with the Jaguars. And, I mean, for being an undrafted guy out of college, that that means, obviously, teams didn't think you were going to end up being that good. He all of a sudden became the best cornerback prospect in the nation and had, you know, capped it off with an absolutely great 2017 season in a year where he was second team all pro made the pro bowl and the jags almost made the super bowl that year so good for him this would be a great trivia question and i really have no idea what the answer is but put this out on twitter all right so you're the first person to find this out what former ucf football player has the highest career earnings kyle israel Probably not. <laughs> but, I, I mean, mean, maybe Culpepper, but his, his... He was in a different era, though. I don't know. And it was a lot shorter career as far, you know, and Brandon Marshall. I don't know if he ever got, like, Brandon Marshall contract. Got, Brandon Marshall kept getting paid. Like, uh, that's... That's, that's a, what I'm saying. Didn't also Bortles, you know, with the giant signing bonus from being the third overall pick. Yeah. That's a good question. I it's honestly, a tough question. I don't know. I don't I just, know. I would have to say Brandon Marshall, but we'll have, definitely have to do some research on that and get back to everyone. That's definitely a, a good good point there. Um, sitting's probably getting paid too, you know, 10 years. Sitting ten on year, that money. Sitting <laughs> on it. All right, who do we got for the last one here? I think everyone knows who it's going to be on our uh, fifth Fab Five under three-star recruits from UC. I don't think they know. I really don't think they know who it's going to be. So, last but not, but not least, we have Kevin Twenty Four K Smith, running back out of Miami. Current, current uh, running backs coach for the FAU. FAU. All time leader in rushing yards and probably a thousand other every rushing stat at UCF. <laughs> he was only like I think like eighty yards short of Barry Sanders' college football all time record for single season rushing. I mean, he was an absolute legend. He single handedly almost pretty much beat every team we played in two thousand seven. Almost beat Texas, took us through the bowl game. I mean, he just absolutely crushed it. Can't yeah, blame. If you, guys, if you guys didn't get a chance to see him live. It was the first year at the bounce house, so that was our freshman year. I mean, you talk about an electrifying player to where the whole stadium, if he got the ball, which was 99% of the plays, the whole stadium thought, yep, touchdown. No matter where we were on the field, when this kid got the ball, it was like automatic touchdown, we thought. And a lot of the times... It was right. I mean, yeah. this guy just took took it to the house almost every time he got it. it. It was just an exciting time for UCF football. Guy only had one other offer at a high school. It was to the Akron Zips, and I'm sure he's he glad he didn't go there. UCF finding another diamond in the rough. 
but good lord, man. I mean, this guy... 2,567 rushing yards his yeah. junior year. He averaged 31 carries per game. I can't blame him for Unheard wanting to go to the of. NFL because, geez, he wasn't going to make it much longer getting hit no. that much. But he was just so good. 29 touchdowns his senior year. I mean, that's just... That's Madden stats. Like, that makes McCray look not even that good although the funny thing is is with that many carries he only averaged five and a half yards per carry we just gave him the ball so much and we were kind of a run first team George O'Leary was big on being you know dominating at the line of scrimmage we had good linemen and they you know they blocked for Kevin Smith and he just kind of ran with that so he had a pretty good like four-year career in the NFL it was a pretty high pick he was the first pick in the third round, went to the Lions. He did start for like a year or two. Kind of actually put up, had some knee injuries, but did all right. He also put up some decent fantasy numbers in multiple weeks. I remember I picked him up and played him in those years. Hope it wasn't so, Dynasty. No. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, another first-team all-conference player, two-star, Kevin Smith. Right, Unbelievable so, how we keep finding these people. Yeah, really. And this really isn't is. like just one year or two. Then again, it is all O'Leary, but we have some other honorable mentions well, as well. But we're is, not done with this. We didn't want to pick anyone that's still playing just because it's, I don't know, it kind of isn't fair to the guys that have gone on to the NFL and had really good careers despite not being recruited that well. But in our honorable mention list, uh, Leger Doosable. The sack uh, master and run stuffer. Cole Schneider, freshman All-American team this year. Wyatt Miller. Uh, can I go back? Cole Schneider, I'm going to say it right now, he's going to be a first-round pick when it's all said and done. All right, all right. Bold prediction. Kid is gold. He's good. Wyatt Miller, you know, a staple of our offensive line the last couple of years. Rocky Ross, who was like the Wes Welker of the 2000s. Definitely a fan favorite there, Rocky Ross. Just, I mean, the name. Rocky Ross sounds like an ice cream flavor. He's like an earlier J.J. Wharton. Yeah. Uh, if you don't know who that is, look him up. <laughs> Nate, <laughs> Nate Evans, obviously, we talked about earlier. Shaquan Burkett. Joe Burnett with the legendary punt return. Richie Grant, also a two-star. One of the best players on our defense right now. And, of course... Kyle Israel. Kyle Israel. One of the best to ever receive snaps at the quarterback position at UCF. So those were our Fab Dang Five straight. less than three-star recruits. Every one of those guys, two-star recruits, man. Pretty crazy. It's crazy. It just goes to show you that, you know, the thing is, is the more a player gets recruited by Bama, Clemson, Ohio State, all those big schools, their rating goes up. Like, it's, it's not a foolproof system. If it was, then us having the 50th and 60th recruiting class every year, we wouldn't end up in the top 10. So there's a lot more to it than that. Yeah. I mean, uh, if I could get these kind of caliber players, like, give me two stars all day. All day. Them up. All right. Now it's time for our last segment. We've got our Monday mailbag here. Only a couple questions. This first one is from Ryan Bobrick. He asks, if Winbush doesn't start, does Hypo put a package together for him to get snaps? I'll uh, Taysom Hill on the Saints this year. Could help his draft status as a utility guy. What do you think, Moo? Um, possibly. I mean, I said I thought this could happen earlier in the show, but I don't really see Hypo as that kind of coach. 
like with different packages and stuff for him. I think he's going to go all on board with either Wimbush or Mac and just let it roll. Yeah, I mean, first of all... And I really don't see Wimbush losing the job, I think. For him to come down here, I mean, there's one year left. And where have you ever heard a grad transfer for one year and, like, not start? I mean, he he didn't come here to sit the bench, obviously. So in in his head, he thinks he can start... But he's got to win the job. I mean, it's we're not just handing it to him. But I think he has a good chance to start. But I think Max good too. And I think we'll just have to see what happens. That being said, part of the question was saying, does Hypo put a package together and forget sna- for him to get snaps to help his draft status or whatever? Hypo doesn't give a crap about anyone's draft status. He just cares about winning. But I think, like you said, whoever wins a starting job is it's going to be their job. We're not going to switch quarterbacks in and out or anything like that because I, I don't think that's helpful to anyone when it gets to that point. You know, whoever, whoever wins it, wins it, and it's kind of, you know, theirs to lose at that point. Yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be tough, man. I don't know. <laughs> but I, I don't think I, – I think it's going to be one or the other. So his question is, do they put a package together for him? No. Probably not. No, I don't think so. Uh, like you said, one or the other. All right, next question. Next question comes from MD Knight 2016. Which side of the ball regresses most with player losses next year? Uh, Mike, I don't like that word regress because I don't think we're going to regress. Um, that's a trick. Do you have a better a tri- word for that? That's almost a trick question. That's being yeah. like, uh, like, when's the last time you cheated on your wife? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a trick question. Because you didn't, you never cheated on your wife, and I don't think we're gonna regress. But I, I see what he's saying there. Um, I think we're losing more talent on defense, at least I think personally. But I think we've got some good guys filling in, especially on the D line. I think we got some good guys stepping up at at linebacker, and I think we've got some, you know, good cornerbacks and Richie Grant there at safety, and Antoine Collier who played lights out in the bowl game. So I'm excited to see him take over to safety also um i don't think we regress at all honestly what do you think moo nope i don't think so i think the defense they'll come together guys step up man like where was richie grant last year uh behind train neal i guess i don't know all of a sudden he's like one of our best defensive players he was one of the the best safeties in the nation i mean and remember he was on our honorable mention as a two-star so uh yeah no we'll just you know, we'll just have to see, but I don't think we regress at all. We regress at all. I think, honestly, the second We're year, fine. the second year under a new coach's system, I think all you can do is get better, as you have more reps and you're just kind of used to it more. But we'll have to wait and see. All right, last question. Like you always say, we're fine. We're fine. Man. We're fine. All right, <laughs> last questions from DJ Pav. How much money did you idiots lose on the Fiesta Bowl betting? <laughs> he should be asking himself that question. Uh, no comment, but I bet enough on the Memphis game to pay for my trip, so I'm very happy about that. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and for me, for me, I won second place in fantasy football this year and pretty much didn't get anything because I bet it all and lost it all. So it's pretty it's it's even we're back to even steven cool, cool story bro <laughs> all right um i think that's it you got anything else Mo? go to the basketball game 
Yes, go go to the basketball game. Support the boys. This has a chance to be a special season. You know, if we make this NCAA tournament, it's definitely a fun road trip to wherever we're going. We probably I know one of the sites is Jacksonville. That's one of the closest ones. So we might end up there. We might end up somewhere else. Honestly, we're not we're probably not we're not gonna win the friggin' tournament. But it'll be fun to go there and you know, maybe we can get a little upset in the first round and I mean, there's nothing like a, a good packed basketball game and, and the thrill of a big upset in the uh, NCAA tournament. So, well, the, com- the conference tournament is in Memphis, and we all know how much you love Memphis. Hey, and don't another wanna... qu- Memphis trip in Mar in late February. Not sounds sure. great. Not sure if I'm allowed back there. Anyway, thank you guys for listening. That's it. We'll talk to you guys next week. Go Knights. Charge on. Shots. Shots.